Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a crowd podcast. I don't think a lot of fighters would do what you did. So you manage maybe the hottest prospect in the world. Is that the same now for you as a manager or you don't want all just prospects on prospects money? Oh, they look good. They look good. What stands out? I suppose the responsibility I feel like I've got is to maximise their careers and their earning potential. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. Hello, George. You did the big in intake of breath there, so I knew what was coming. This is how I start every conversation now. Yeah. I just have a even if they're not called Deck. I I've started experimenting with Declan. Yeah. Have you noticed? Yeah, I have, yeah. Uh, and do you know what actually this happened to me before is that people often call me Declund with a D on the end. And someone wrote it down before. I think it was at a restaurant or something. And I was like, oh no, sorry, there's no D. So they went, Oh, sorry, Eckland. <laughs> <laughs> so excellent yeah we're at Wednesday yeah what a week it's been already George already I'm still recovering from Monday's bumper how about that how about that exactly longest one yet if you haven't heard how about that go back and listen to how about that <laughs> what an accent is that also go back and listen to Marnie's episode if Ooh. you missed Marnie's last week the dream gym it was a banger yeah because we like anyone who's thought about boxing don't lie we've all thought about what our dream gym is mm. And she's out there building one. Yeah, we want to hear your ideas though, don't we, George? We want to know what on earth would you have in your gym? You'd have a barbecue in yours. I'd probably have a bed in mine somewhere. Don't have it in the ring. No. <laughs> no sleeping in the ring. Yeah. Caught on the job. Whatever, whatever, you want to, whatever you think we need in our dream gym, we want to hear your ideas, don't we? What's the piece of equipment that's in your brain that has of yet not been invented? Yeah. And it's a billion dollar idea. I've met, I can't remember, I've met a few people who showed me <laughs> some prototypes <laughs> for some stuff. But yeah, if you're sitting on something and you want a little collab and come on the show and explain to us, come, let yeah, us know. Let us know. I think there's a gap in the market for, you, you know, you see people do to try and punch harder. They might get like a resistance band and tie it to the wall behind them and throw yep. with a resistance band. Or you can get the odd bit of kit where it's like, or you might shadow box with a resistance band or whatever. Or you can do it on like the cable crossover machine and do it like that. I think there's a gap for something that is just dedicated to that sort of positioning that loaded resistance with a, with straight punches. I reckon we need to super yeah, right true. forward some VR. Who's going to show me the technological gym? That's a show. That's like, it's so... Well, you could just stay at home in bed and put your head, VR no, headset. No, it's got to be better than the Wii. You know, like when you figured out yeah. the Wii and you could sort of just win all the boxing matches <laughs> yeah. just by sort of swinging it around. You didn't actually need to do the slip and sliding. Yeah. But this one, or maybe this one could like, it's so realistic in the feel of it. When you get punched in the, in the body, you, you go down. <laughs> 
Yeah, we've had a couple of a uh, couple of people get in touch. Um, one of those was Michael Fitzgibbon, and he said, "Michael the Fitzgibbon." He said, "Hi, first of all, massive fan of the podcast. I was wondering if you could do an episode on small hall prospects fighting their way up. Thanks, keep up the good work." Talk to me, George. I'd love that. Well, so many of these fighters go underneath the radar, yeah. you know, and it's hard to get to every small hall show. So if you know of someone who is a small hall fighter, but he's destined for the bigger or better things, or she, and also they've got a bit of personality, they've got a great talker, and you think they wouldn't mind joining the club, then send them in. We want to hear who they are. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realise what you see on Sky or BT or DAZN, really the tip of the iceberg, isn't it, on a Saturday night in England these days. Plus Shows there's a lot of small hall fighters on them cards, yeah. but they don't get the TV slot but they're local ticket sellers yeah like Brad Paul exactly and they might be on the verge of a a breakout fight but we want to get them before they've got to that stage maybe yeah and also maybe we could speak I'd love to have a have a chat with one of the promoters of those small halls like how do you how do you make it work um so yeah Michael Fitzgibbon very good suggestion we'll get on to that anyone else been in touch George yes Nick Gittis excellent boxing podcast good insight into different personalities and people I like the change of pace from excellent just to good Obviously, something is excelling past the insight. It's obviously the banter. Yeah, it must be. The excellent banter. On the subject of not banter. Even a, not even a question there. No. It's just a, it's just a Stuck statement. It in. Yeah. Cheers, Nick. I mean, if there's anything you want to add, any ideas for anything, t- get back in touch. I want to hear more from Nick Gittes a cup of tea, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Nick, Nick Gittes a question, now, please. <laughs> Get us a couple of ideas for a feature. Do you know who what, who has been in touch? This is, I'm going off piece there, Ross and George. The Box Gathering. You might remember him from certain comments of uh, an expectational episode. Someone described that Barry Hearn episode as an expectational episode. I went on our Instagram and I checked the comments. It did say exceptional. So, so Ross has, <laughs> We've thrown that guy under Ross the bus. Somehow, Ross alone. Someone, someone somewhere in this club is, is trying to undermine the box gathering by saying expectational which is not a word and he knows that (laughs) unless he's done a sneaky edit which I wouldn't put past him but if you wrote exceptional thank you first of all great I'd love to I'd love to hear that that podcast exceptional and um, yeah sorry for ever suggesting that you try to just sort of add to the nomenclature of this country with expectational but maybe we should get on a t-shirt or a hat or something I want to be a bit more managerial today George yes any ideas why is it because none other than Francis of the Warren is yeah, in? of the Warren clan. You know, he's boxing through and through, but he's actually... He's died in the wall, isn't he? Died in the wall. He's died in the wall, boxing man. I, I, I make out like I don't know what that means, and I ask that far too frequently. Yeah. Ross doesn't cut that out enough, because <laughs> yeah. every episode I say, died in the wall. Yeah, tell you, Francis Warren is officially a died in the wall boxing man. So do you think Francis has listened to the Frank Warren episode? I mean, there's His only, father's episode? I think there's only one way to find out. We'll get that in pretty quick, shall we? We'll get that in pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, let's get him in. Uh, it's finally here, our manager podcast. What better way to do it than with Francis Warren? Died in the wall, man. Should we get him in? Died in the wall, Francis Warren. Today, we have our second Warren in the club, also making his name as a manager in the fight game. It's Francis Warren. You're technically in the club now. Yeah, you're officially in the club. Yeah, the so, second Warren. Big fan. Oh yeah, yeah. How, actually, let's start there. So you, we've had your, we've had your dad Frank <laughs> on, of course. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've had your dad Frank on, of course. How did that go down in the family? Did you sit around and have a roast and listen, stick yeah, it on? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we, we were going to save it for Christmas Day, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was, it was a good interview. Always, you know, he's always he's great value, my dad. You know, when you when you do a deep dive into his yeah. past and stuff, it's um, it's an intriguing and interesting story. You were born into boxing. 
of course, that, you know, the Warren family synonymous with boxing in this country. What was that like growing up? I suppose you say you're born into it. Yeah, you are being born into it and you, you can't escape it, obviously. During the 90s at school, it was Naz Mad, Naz Mad, Bruno, Ben, you know, kicking a ball around the back garden with Naz, playing snooker with Frank Bruno. It was just like, just fun. Like, <laughs> what really was his goal fun. celebrations like, Naz? Naz yeah. Naz back used to flips. do, Naz, you know, that, do you remember that, that, that Mexican guy used to do the throwing? You know, he used to do the, the flip. Oh, so, yeah. So Naz did that in the back garden. I was like, wow, look at that. That's really cool. <laughs> and it landed to me and I've completely skied it. I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to get that moment back. Yeah. But, you know, it was great fun. And, you know, the first show I went to was um, Naz in Dublin. I think I was 11 or 12. Didn't go to Frank Bruno's world title when at Wembley I wish I'd gone to that but I think I was only 11 at the time but we went on the open top open top bus tour around London on the big red bus and that was just brilliant brilliant fun my dad was a very very busy guy always on the phone up all hours because obviously back in the day you know mobile phones weren't weren't like they are now um so the answer phone used to just be just full every morning and it was always frank it's brendan yeah brendan Brendan ingle (laughs) and um sterling mcpherson was a was a you know was was one of the first voices i'd hear every morning before going to school (laughs) so yeah it was just you know it was um it was good fun you know very very lucky to be brought up in a fun environment and i always thought i'd be involved in it at some point but not as quick, probably as quickly as I, as I did get involved in it. Yeah, you're in boxing, but obviously your dad is not in the gym. Like most kids growing up, it's, it's that side of boxing that they're brought into, whereas your dad's dealing with the business side of boxing. Was you eager to be that side of boxing? You know, you're looking up to your dad or did you want to be in the gym? I went to boarding school and boxing wasn't a, wasn't a thing. So, you know, I went to school on a Monday morning. I didn't come home until Saturday. I was a big time into my rugby. You know, that that's what I thought I was going to do post-school and post-university. Being involved, actually, <laughs> there's a school project I found actually my mum dug out the other couple of couple of years ago and it said what do you want to be when you grow up and it said I want to be a boxer you know it's, it's something that you know if you look at across you know as you said about you know sons following their dad's footsteps you know that does apply to the business side of it as well I think you know if you look at Callie and Eddie you know their dad's obviously massively into it and I think it's you know it's um it's one you know even to the small hall circuit you know, the Goodwins family they're all into it as well so it's it's one of those things I think if you grow up grow up in it and you're in it and obviously the rewards if you're any good at it are, are pretty good. That's very good. So we should say for the listeners there. So Kala Sauland and Nisso, who we've had on, of course, their dad was a famous promoter. Obviously you and George and your dad yeah. and Eddie and Barry. It's very strange how mm. it's trickled down. Do you think that's going to be the same for like your kids and Eddie's kids and and so on? Do you think it's going to just keep going, or do you reckon there'll be a point where you're like, that'll do. Let's do something. Let's who, do something who, else. Who knows? I mean, it's changed a lot, a hell of a lot. I mean, even during my 20 years in this. I said, when did I start? Yeah, not far off, 20 years now. Wow. But it's changed a hell of a lot. I don't think it'll be the same in 15, 20 years when my kids are, have grown up. And also this, you know, this influential YouTube YouTube boxing, I think it's going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to affect the, the professional side of things. You, you think that, yeah? Yeah, yeah I do. Why I do. In what way? The regulatory board is set up to put an infrastructure in place to make sure that everyone's safeguarded and everyone's looked after. It can go alongside pro boxing, but I think someone's going to get hurt. Once that happens, all these YouTubers go back to being YouTubers. Should we go to when you first started, well, or what was your first role in boxing then? I think the first time we met would have probably been around the time I signed with your dad. It was exactly when the launch of Box Nation um, mm. came as well. So was you involved in the business before then, or was you brought in to help with the launch of Box Nation? So the first, first show I worked on was Danny Williams against... I think it was Danny and Audley when I think Audley hid behind a counter at a press conference when Danny come after him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I came in to run Frank Warren TV. It was great. I mean, this is pre-Facebook, pre-social. We had Enzo and David Hay around that time. We had obviously you and James boxed as well. The numbers we got were ridiculous. You know, we were talking like two, 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 two million hits a week. 
Uh, and then around a big fight, we sort of nudging to five and six million hits. You know, it was great. I was, you know, responsible for bringing the sponsorship, making sure that we had content going out, you know, a couple of, and it was, it was a real effort as well, because it was just, it was just not the, not an instant like it is these days, like, you know, press, press upload. It was a real operation. We had um, Colin Hart, Ian Axon, Mark Carnell, and we used to have our own little commentary set up on fight night as well, so that we could, we had our own Frank Warren commentary, which was heavily biased. <laughs> that that um, Colin Hart commentary for my fight with Dick Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah, the yeah. only one you can find online yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said yeah. that. Um, and then we had Connie Henry, GB athlete, did that for a couple of years. And obviously then Facebook catches on and then everything just moved over to that side. Then went into marketing and press and PR relations. And then went to the event side of things. I don't think I really got involved with the boxers for a good five or six years. Um, I thought, you know, it was important to learn the business side of things first. And then I kind of got taken under Dean Powell's wing, you know, basically taught me what to look for in a fighter. You know, he actually said to me, he said, right, go on, go and get your manager's license. You know, so I went through the full spectrum of the business and decided that management and one-on-one -on -one relationship with the boxers was was my forte and, and what I enjoyed most. The legendary, late, great Dean Powell, mm. who's the matchmaker at Queensbury, but really just like a stalwart of your dad's sort of boxing mm. operation. What, was, what did he tell you at that point about what was the wisdom and the knowledge that he said, this is what's going to be a good fighter? Like, because when you go in a gym, there might be loads of kids that you think, oh, they look good, they look good. What stands out? Well, what Dean used to say, it's just about dedication. It's the same with any, with anything you do in life. Mm. If you're not dedicated, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit the heights. And Dean always used to say, "Don't be fooled if someone can hit the bag hard." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I can do 100 keepy ups, um, but then I'm not gonna play on the right wing for Arsenal." Don't go just off, you know, amateur background. Don't you know you've got to go and see the guys. You've got to go and watch them spar. You've got to go and look in the whites of their eyes and and see and, and talk to them. You can, you, I just, you know, I think it's just a gut instinct sometimes as well. I think if you if you go to enough gyms and you you watch enough sparring and you watch, you know, you have enough conversations with fighters, you get to know the right answers to your questions, what you're looking for. What was your dad like at that point? Was he on your case? As you go through, obviously, there's different results expected for different departments of the business. So obviously, from what Dean passed on to me, it was don't sign anyone that's not going to cut it. You know, I've got a pretty good record. I'm up in the high 90s for, for the guys that I've signed and then gone on to do some good things. So let's go back to the PR. What's the best deal you brought in? Or the best deal that you sniffed out, or that you helped edge over the line, and what's the, what's the worst? Where did you drop the <laughs> drop a clanger? Rainham Steel. Oh, I remember Rainham Steel. Yes, yeah. I met Mr. Rainham Steel. Rainham yeah, Steel, me yeah. too. Bill Ives, Bill God rest his soul. He was a lovely, lovely man. But yeah, we set that one up for Cat Cedis and Mitchell. Yeah, I always say to um, Matt Rich in the office. You know, Matt. Yeah, he's my man. I always say to him. I always say to don't underestimate the A13 corridor when you're doing shows in London because that's your catchment area yeah. for for your copper box and your O2. We hammered that. A13 corridor it was like you know like all the trade papers and all the pubs and I tell you what beer mats that's what we used to do as well we used to put beer mats in the pubs with the phone number on and to buy tickets sometimes it gets a little bit overlooked the on the ground yeah. on the ground marketing I don't think like things like billboard work particularly well anymore because obviously people are in such a hurry and such a rush although that is changing the game with the QR codes you know people just say boom and they're, and they're straight on it but you know having to enter websites and things like that I think those days are long gone now you're recruiting fighters or you're looking at potential fighters who's the best fighter that you want to take credit for that you brought to the stable? The first guy I looked after one-on-one -on -one was with Chisora. What an So everyone else after that is a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Derek had some great, great times together. I was like in my mid-twenties and, you know, when I say look, looked after, I mean, we used to go on, I used to go on trips with him, you know, so we were in Finland for the um, Hellenius fight, the Klitschko fight that didn't happen um, and then obviously the, the Vitaly one that did happen and then we used to go on these pre mad press tours around Russia. I mean, that was, it was just fun, real good fun times. You know, we, we were in Germany with when his thing with David Hay happened. And yeah, what was that like? It was nuts, man. I remember 
remember the week after. Crackers. Yeah, are you, of course you were there. I remember the week after some getting a snip. It might have even been from you, but they were like, we're going to do this fight, you know. We were like, surely not. Mm. It was like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And at the time it was unthinkable, but I mean, it turned into an amazing fight. But what was that like, the whole the whole situation, the whole fallout from your point of view? Don't want to go into too much detail on it, but you know, we managed to get home and then uh, obviously the board were mightily pissed off with Derek and and they, you know, they, they took his license off him. Mm. But we got around it, you know, we hopped on a plane, went to Luxembourg, did a deal and um, fought on the Luxembourg license. Yeah. But it was, it was, I mean, it was fun and it's a great part of history. And you what know, fight in the end. It, it was a good fight. Anyone I thought Derek was going to do it. I really did, did you? Yeah, I really I, fancy I thought he'd better. I mean, David Hay at that time was such a big puncher, though, wasn't he? Anyone who don't know what we're talking about, there might be some. Derek Chisora, after he boxed Klitschko, Vitaly Klitschko, yep. David Hay turned up at the press conference and, and they had Looking a, they for had a, a fight with Klitschko. Of course, yeah. Chisora sort of gets up, doesn't he? He walks down to the end. And he walks down. And as he's walking down, you're thinking, between the two of these, there's going to be a punch up. <laughs> yeah. he, he can't just get there and nothing happened. Mm. They, they're not those sort of people. <laughs> he don't wait. He just, <laughs> yeah. He's like, Warm. Yeah. Uh, he glassed me. He glassed me. He glassed me. Oh, brilliant. He glassed me. Well, okay, so yeah, after that then, everything's pretty everything serene. Pretty, I mean, but you know, there's been a few youngsters that have, you know, signed, brought in, he's not quite sure, but you know, there's a talent. There was a young lad called Michael Maguire from oh, um, Nor uh, Norwich area, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. he? But he should have done something. Really should have done something. So I think the main, I don't think it's necessarily anyone who's been not good enough. I think it's probably that temperament. When that gut feeling, you get that gut feeling wrong and you think, right, they're ready to go. They're ready to turn pro. And then they just go on the missing list. So this was all for Queensbury at that at that point. Yeah. And but now you're not really you you're associated with Queensbury, but you're doing your own thing. Yeah. You've got a, your own management company. Yeah. So so um last was October, stepped away from uh, so basically my role at Queensbury was the one on one relationship with the fighters. Yeah. But obviously I'm managing some and not managing others. I just felt that some of the guys I wasn't managing probably wasn't getting the focus and attention they probably should have done. Um from me personally. Also the guys that I, I did manage one on one, I just found myself talking to them nonstop all day. So I thought, right. And I think now's the time to step out and, and branch out. And I've been in this, like I said, 18, 20 years. Know the game inside out. I want to you know, make a run of this with a, with a management company. So I set up Champion Sports Management. Ten fighters signed and we got five signing in September. Being affiliated to Queensbury, is it hard to come out and be a manager and who essentially they can be signing whoever gives them the best deal or the best opportunity do you have to have awkward conversation with your dad and say Eddie's offered me a, <laughs> a bit more dad you're going to have to stump it up he's like don't play me son <laughs> he says I'm the biggest pain in his ass at the moment at the, you know, when I take the, the lads who are with Queensbury up to see and to you know, renegotiate their deals so you know it's my responsibility to go out and get these guys the best deal possible present the deals offered I think some promoters fit fighters better but yeah it's, you know, so that's, that's my job to go and get as much for them as possible uh, and in the right environment kind of sense a thawing of the old cold war between the matchroom and the, the traditional matchroom Frank Warren one because we hear that George and Eddie have a good relationship now you're kind of meeting them and stuff mm. do you think that's good for business is it true was the cold war a kind of bit of a fallacy anyway or was there that rivalry because it seemed to drive British boxing for a while it wasn't the friendliest of relationships I mean I've I've never uh, I, I think some of it was it got a bit personal um, mm. from the other side um, there's a few things that, that happened that will never be disclosed but we just we were you know not very happy about it it was a tough time for us you know we just set up a, you know, our own you know, subscription yeah. channel obviously the power of Sky behind Matchroom obviously Anthony Joshua as well was the, the main driving force behind the success that they had and yeah of course it's a rivalry but at the end of the day without that rivalry no one progresses the fighters don't get paid as much it is, it's an aggressive business in and outside the ring you know it's, it's one of those you've got to be on it non-stop all the time and 
of course, and you know, you do look over the fence sometimes and think, fuck, that was a good, that was a good event. <laughs> wish I'd done that with bollocks. <laughs> you know, your fight with Carl, which was magnificent. Yeah. What a great event for everyone apart from you, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the rest mate. of us love it. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. But then obviously, you know, it, it, it goes, it swings in roundabouts. You know, like I said, Frank Bruno at Wembley in, in the 90s and then we, you know, cut the stadium shows and you do, you know, you want to be part of the big events, whether you're a fighter, a manager, promoter, you want to be putting on the biggest and the best events out there because otherwise go big or go home, isn't it? Mm. How discerning then do you have to be with the acquisition of boxers? Because like you say, there's a limit to it. So it's not just like, oh, do you know what? I'll just go out and sign everyone and hope something sticks. You've got mm. to be like, has to be the best of the best. As a manager now, you know, I've done the promoting for you know years and years. So I know how the business works. I think some managers just think, well, you've got contract, put him out. It's not that simple. Well, it is that simple if they've got contract, but you know, it's, it's one of those things, well, I've got this fight, why won't you sign him? Well, because there's a certain amount of shows per year, which means there's a certain amount of slots. So that means you've only got, you know, you can do, it's, 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 you know, it's a simple equation. If you've got 12 slots per show and you've got 15 shows per year, then that's how many fighters you can put, mm. that's how many fighters you can sign without starting to disappoint people. So I know when, say, Queensbury fall to the brim and I have to, that's, that's, you know, you said it's about it's an, an awkward conversation with my dad about going to have a chat with John or with Frank or with Eddie. If they're full, they're full. And it's not to say that it's an A, B and C, you know, first, second and third choice, but it makes, it actually makes my life a little bit easier because I said, well, you haven't got any room, so I don't have to go and speak to the guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, it's a business model for a promoter. They need fighters at different levels and there might be like a tier system where they, we need to sign X amount of prospects and then we've got X amount to a title level and then out of them, we hope this many become world champion and then it can only be, there's a limit on that, as you say, because of the amount of shows they've got. Is that the same now for you as a manager or you don't want all just prospects on prospects money but essentially could you have a stable full of world champions and that'll work for you just as well the guys have got so like you know Dennis McCann Sam Noakes Henry Turner Pierce O'Leary they're at title level so they're going to be knocking on for Europeans and worlds in the next three or four years and by that time the, the youngsters that are turning pro September October you hope that they'll be fighting for British titles so I could potentially have 15 title challenges in the next three or four years what's the role of, of a manager then because are you the one who's getting them the fights getting them the slots putting them around like what do you have to do from sort of day to day like what where do you draw the line on your job you're getting them their, their license then you're getting them their contract make sure that contract's enforced with the promoter making sure the opponents are right moving, moving them along at a steady pace that you know so that they're not standing still but also not going too fast so you know that's the boxing side of it and making sure that you know every move is, is a positive move and you know nothing just you know you're never taking a backward step mm. then obviously it's the commercial side of things um, so you're responsible for going and getting their sponsors making sure that they are commercially successful outside of the ring and then obviously that's now developed into making sure that they've got a present pre online presence to enhance their bargaining power or my bargaining power for when I go and I'll get, you know, renegotiate contracts. So how do you do that? The first question most sponsors ask is how many followers he's got? You know, what's going to make other people engage with him? What's going to make them other people buy my product because they've got my logo on his on his boxing shorts? The old school of thought, I think, used to be not too much too quickly commercially with fighters because obviously it was just to concentrate on the boxing. I think that's completely wrong now. I think you need to go, get them media savvy, commercially savvy from day one. Would it ever be good to be a free agent and, and be able to promotionally yeah yeah or would you always say let's get your contract let's oh, get George your... yeah <laughs> well, that's about. what I mean George was doing, doing <laughs> all really, sorts you know you did well didn't you like, yeah I don't know it just means you can no but in terms of getting the, you know in terms of like you know you, you, you moved about quite a bit yeah, you, know? I, yeah, you were quite flexible everywhere so yeah. no but so I signed with Haymaker Haymaker went under as well the, the promotional side of it in terms of having the stable went under within a year so Schaefer was with Davis, was it? Schaefer was involved but mm. I don't think he did a lot because 
Hay had a deal with Golden Boy. So that was great for me because I had a link up with Golden Boy, but my deal was with Haymaker. Mm. The Probably the first significant deal that I felt I did was um, signing with, I don't, know, I don't think it was Queensbury, it was signing with Frank Warren Promotions. Frank Warren Promotions, yeah. It was a three-year deal after beating DeGale. Yeah. So up until that point, I would sort of ad hoc boxed on all different shows, boxed on a Matchroom show, Frank Maloney show, mm. Uh, I think I had the Sowerland. was a Frank Maloney show, wasn't it? No, that was a Haymaker show. Oh, so and Box I boxed on, on Haymaker shows. Yeah, at that time you can just go everywhere. That seems like. So I had, I had a value in that I would just become uh, British champion and yeah, free agent. The deal came to an end with um, Frank Warren again. I was like, I was on a Sowerland card, Matchroom card. Yeah, and by the time I was, cause the idea for me was like win a world title against Frotch, went in as a mandatory. I was a free agent, so then afterwards I could sign with whoever. Essentially, hopefully, get the best deal. I think. I mean, I think your your your, your career was very unique in that respect. You know, you you had big fights. You put yourself out there. Uh, you know, you put yourself on there by, by winning. And I mean, even after the first Frotch fight, I mean, didn't you go to New York on your own and, and go and campaign in IBF? I mean, that's what promoters should do. I don't think a lot of fighters would do what you did. But I think for the majority of guys, um, a high majority of guys, I think it's having that security of a contract. There's a clear route map as, as to what, you know, two or three fights down the line. Mm. Mm. That is right. I was in the slipstreams of David Hay, who was the British heavyweight world champion. I was he um, chief support on his shows. Mm. And the TV network, does do a, a big job, don't they? Like yeah. they, they do a fantastic job once they get behind a fighter. But also, it's it's the promote the in-house media teams, the promotion uh, promotional team. I've actually got my own in-house media team from a management company because I know how important it is, mm. and I don't I don't know how many managers. I'm still trying to promote them, but not promote shows. Like promote these guys. I still see myself as you know, uh, a sell I'm I'm selling these guys. You know, I'm I'm trying to sell them to to sponsors, and that's that's the biggest thing I'm trying to get over to these guys at the moment is that you know, you've got to be up for putting yourself out there. Not a great example. I know you're not a huge fan, but the KSI sort of YouTube shows is still the backbone of that is Callis Allen at Wasserman. Mm. You know, they they haven't had a run at it all by themselves. So there's a lot of work that goes on yeah. in terms of what promoters do. And lots of that is crossover into sort of management stuff as well. Mm. I think there's another organization that I want to put as Kingpin. I think I, like, I actually quite like what they do. Two ambulances at their shows, they have anaesthetists, they have everything that a pro boxing card would have. So I'm, I'm really impressed with what they're doing. I'm not saying that the quality of the boxing is, is you know, upper up echelons of what we're, we're used to. You don't want it to be too good. But <laughs> no, but, it, no, but it, as an event, it's run very well. So we should be looking out for them, yeah. their, their rise. Let's talk, speaking of the rise, let's talk about a few of your fighters. I want to ask you firstly about Moses Talma. Now, you manage maybe the hottest prospect in the world. I've worked with some fantastic uh, talent over the years, but this guy is something else. He really is, and the fact that he's a heavyweight obviously means that it's it's you know it's, it's a different sport in a, in, a, mm. in effect. I think he can do anything he wants to do. I mean, you talk to him, and it's like you're talking to a you know, thirty year old. Yeah. He's so so mature, interested in what people are saying, and he's and he's got great insights into not just boxing, but you know he's, he's a very worldly young man. What he did as an amateur was phenomenal. I don't think he completed one round over the four fights in the um, in the Europeans. You know, yeah, it's never happened before. Parked everyone up in the first round. And then in the Worlds, he um, he had a really bad flu in the second round, so that went the distance. But the other two, two or three fights, you know, he, he stopped those guys as well. And he said, I want to win European gold, world gold, amateur. And then he said, I want to beat Mike Tyson's world record for, for being the fastest ever heavyweight world champion, which is two years, five months. And his contract that I've, I've negotiated for him, he's got eight fights a year for the next two years so it'll be 16 and 0 
by January 25 and then we'll make a decision to see where you know where, where he's at that division is there for the taking for some new and we've seen we've got like Philip Hergovic and, and these lot this second wave Daniel Jared Anderson Jared Anderson Daniel Dubois people like that he's even younger than him mm. you think in 10 years time he'll only be 28 yeah if you've got 16, 17 year old kids at Arsenal's academy they're not going to say oh, I just hope I get in the first team and get a you know, good run and it's like, I want to win a World Cup I want to win the Champions League and that's what his ambition is obviously you do commercial deals for these guys as well what would be the plan for Moses in that respect? We've been talking to Nike for the last sort of, um, sort of eight months. They're on board. Because those big companies, they're like, come be a Nike kit. ambassador. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. And give you a t-shirt. There's a, different, there's a difference between an ambassador and an athlete. So he's going to be a Nike athlete. So he'll have access to meeting, you know, going to NFL games and golf and whatever. You know, he'll be part of the Nike setup. That must be the exciting part. Like, you have a lot of boxers and that must be the exciting thing of what you can achieve with yeah. these people and where, what you, where you can take them. I want this guy, Moses, to be used to what's going to come in mm. five years. Do this graph now and then you're a superstar and then, you know, just concentrate on the boxing. Mm. And the, you know, that machine then will look after itself. Anthony Joshua did, pretty successful model what he's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got involved with Under Armour at the right time and Lucas, they came on board, Land Rover and all that sort of stuff. So, But again, I don't think it was day one. British gold medalist at the London London Olympics. It's, you know that that obviously stuff's going to going to follow. You know I want Moses to be used to the limelight. I mean some stuff I ring him up. Can you, can you come and do this? He goes, No, man. But like <laughs> he's com- like he's confident in himself enough not to be at everything. I, got, I also remember that he's only eighteen. He wants to beat Mike Tyson's record, but that's not the aim. The aim is to forge a successful career. Who else on your list, Francis? Are we looking out for? Oh, I'm a big fan of Sam Noakes. Sam Noakes is the guy. Yeah, the boxing side of it, the dedication, and you know the, the power he's got. It's just, it's just, it's. You know, what it reminds me. You know, that's that foam that you spray, and then it just engulfs everything. <laughs> yeah. That's what he looks like. That's what it reminds me of when he when he when he gets on someone. He just doesn't let them go, and he's just on them, and he goes from smashing people up to smiling like and he's just such a nice guy he's got a fantastic family around him I think his following is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger big rivalry there with Mark Chamberlain but I really do think he can go on and, and do something special internationally he renewed with me at the beginning of the year and um me and him just sit, sit there talking about Lord of the Rings most of the time. <laughs> right, get real, right, right, real, real geeks. I said to him, he's got to come out to that music yeah. and he's just not having it. But that's the, one of the biggest challenges. None of them will listen to me when it comes to walking you music. You could come <laughs> out first in, in yeah. a wizard's dressing gown. Yeah, or like, like the magic man. Or sign a little bloke who looks like Gollum. Just sort of, <laughs> he can follow you along. He can do the whole thing. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> who else you got? Dennis McCann, obviously, oh, yeah. he's um, very you know, young as well. He's, he's, he's a very, very talented young man and probably the cheekiest little sod I've ever met. Yeah. Just got to stay on it and he's got to stay dedicated and he, he can do whatever he wants in this sport. Henry Turner, I think, is what we a little shout out. He's, he's just coming on leaps and bounds. A super lightweight. He's got WBC International Silver. He's defending on the 9th of June at York Hall. Call him the showman. His family have got a, 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 um, a background in, in providing the, the setup for, for fairgrounds and um, they do um, Winter Wonderland. So he comes out, he's in, you know, he's gonna, you wait till he sees his outfit. It, it, it was really good. Um, but it, he's got, he's found some power. So I think his last four fights, he's had three stoppages. Found some power. Where he's found the power. Back, back of the sofa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's, it's just come on and, and it just goes to because he wasn't getting that much attention and then three, three out of four stoppages, everyone's like, oh, Henry, let's get him straight on again. I didn't even have, oh, I've just got phone call oh Henry's fighting on the 9th of June I was like oh that's the easiest one I've ever done <laughs> it was great I wish I could all be like that um, and also Pierce O'Leary May 27th um, on Michael Conlon's undercard Big um, I don't want to you know they're obviously individual guys but I think if I could lay some money now to be the first one to win a world title out of all of them it'd be Pierce another one though this just proves people love knockouts mm. chinning everyone and it goes viral and then straight away there's yep. a buzz around him and people yep. remember his name and they know who he is really pays the bills 
Right, George, we're back. We're back in business. And his feature time deck. I'm, I'm quite time nervous. Time. Whenever you You're have always that, nervous. Never, you have that look in your eye. But sometimes, France, when we when we come up with these, everyone's involved in the process. And then sometimes <laughs> it's just pure George. Yeah. From the name to the concept. And when that happens, like it kind of could unravel. It Going could rogue. be genius. You listen to the one with your dad. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And he done Frank Warren ep- episode, two-parter. Two-parter. If you haven't listened to it, you've got to go and listen to it excellent in the, yeah, in the feature as feature. well and the feature name was War and Peace oh yeah which was I thought that was really good <laughs> yeah that was one of mine I think yeah it well was just, you. and you pitched in straight away and I just I, you know I just dropped them drop yeah. I didn't even drop the mic enough to do me I just put the phone down <laughs> and went phone. Like, that, that's done yeah. and then last night I was sitting there I was thinking where do we go and I thought no it's, it's, it's War and Peace War and Peace part two <laughs> part two War and Peace the sequel <laughs> word smash literature oh, fuck. meets boxer <laughs> War and Peace. It's a two-parter question, and then you have to mash the answers together to create Actually, the word smash. We yeah? got a bit of a grilling off your dad for some of the answers. He was you, not happy have you been watching um, Richard Osman's House of Games? He yeah. does that, doesn't yeah, yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks for that. It's, it's like, <laughs> for instance, Lord of the Flies at Glow, which people still tweet me about. Lord of the, Lord yeah, of the, the Flies, flies at Glow. And he wasn't yeah. happy with the spelling, was he? Nah. <laughs> no, he was not having it one bit. He was like, that's not, no, what are you talking about? That's not how it works. But anyway. So Deck came up with that, and Deck wrote that, obviously yeah. a journalist. Yeah. And you had some some serious books in there. Yeah, yeah. You, but your dad was like, yeah, 1984. So I've gone for children's books <laughs> <laughs> so children's book meets boxer word smash okay, and now Francis got kids I've got a little son so we should be alright here should be alright yeah. Francis you want to go first or second you're our guest I'll go first Ooh, oh like it right. backing himself question number one a story written and illustrated by Judith Kerr about a big cat who would eat you out of house and home oh, I fucking know it I with the pressure's on Francis oh, with no. New Yorker I can see it yeah who's got wins over Richard Comey and Vasil Lomachenko oh I love it he's got wins over Richard Comey and Vasil Lomachenko the book's about this big cat and he eats you at our house and home I've read that I've and read Sophie this. takes the little Sophie's the little oh, girl yeah come on, takes don't, the, I mean come on don't give him the answer to the cat. pass it over give me one now the tiger who came for Tiafimo Lopez yeah. oh <laughs> mate I read that to my daughter like yeah. two nights yeah. ago <laughs> yeah Right, I can go 2-0 it. A 1969 book written and illustrated by Eric Carl about famously getting a stomachache after eating lots of junk food before eating a nice leaf with former American heavyweight world champion I know. who stopped by Mike Tyson. The very hungry Caterpillary Holmes. Yes. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I'm built for this. I'm built for this game! <laughs> a festive book by Charles Dickens about a bloke called Ebenezer with 6-0 professional who has five KOs trained by Shane McGuigan. Oh, Christmas Carol on the bar. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Needed yeah, that. Oh, so I good. That yeah, one he's out. back. He's, <laughs> he can nowhere. enjoy the quiz now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got one. That's, right. that's good work as well, George. Very good. I reckon your dad would be happy with that smash as well. That was a proper smash. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Number four, right? Yeah. 1952 book that tells the story of a livestock pig named Wilbur and its friendship with a barn spider with IBF World Bantamweight Champion. Is it Charlotte's Web? Bollocks. <laughs> Charlotte's Web, Bantamweight. Charlotte's Webony Bridges. Charlotte's Webony oh Bridges. Come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Member of the club, Ebony Bridges. Go and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. A children's book by Edith Nesbitt, originally serialised in the London magazine during 1905 about three children 
whose lives change when their father goes away unexpectedly. I've never read this book. book, You've probably got the hardest one. Sorry, Franz. With retired Leicester fighter who has two wins over Kiko Martinez. Is he the boxing bin man? Yeah, that's what I've got. That. has got to be that, isn't it? Is it called two? Rendell. Yeah. Yeah. Railway Children Mundo. <laughs> Railway Children Mundo. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm there. there Railway <laughs> Children Mundo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like your dad said uh, The Lion, the Witch, and Rob McCracken. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't even try and put them together. <laughs> but we all three, I got three, three, away. Right, yeah, so we got another, we got another Lewis Carroll number, right? Oh, my favourite. This time about a young girl who follows a white rabbit, former American heavyweight. World champion who most recently beat Luis Ortiz. Give up. Give Lewis, up. Uh, give up. Fucking give up, Alice in Wonderland, Ruiz Jr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Right. I uh, can feel the pressure there. In 1963, a book that focuses on a young boy named Max who, after dressing yes. in his wolf uh, in a wolf's costume, wreaks such havoc that he's sent to bed with no supper. With fan-friendly Canadian fighter who wins two uh, wins world titles in two divisions and fighter of the year in his first battle with Ivan Robinson. Where the wild things are, Turo Gatti. <laughs> <laughs> Where the wild things are? You ain't gone that no. one? Oh, get on that. It's fucking hell. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> he turns into like the leader of the wild things or whatever. Legendary yeah, yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roald Dahl. Yeah. Book. Love it. Oh, you've got all the easy ones. Have I, I though? Right well, I should have gone second. Yeah, I? yeah, yeah. Roald Dahl book about a magical little girl which they turned into a movie in 1966. Yeah. Let me guess. British light welterweight champion from Sheffield. No. Oh, God. Point, God. Off, point off. Yeah. yeah, point off. I'll pass yeah, it over to you. I'll pass it over to you, Francis. With British middleweight, oh. who wins a split decision 2013 in Atlantic City. Am I thinking the right book? I don't, don't look like it. Doesn't seem like it. Matilda, right? Yeah. yeah Matilda. Matilda Dalton-Smith, but he won't have that. I don't say Matilda. Uh, Matilda Aaron Barker. Yeah. Yes. Cheers for that. Uh, a book first released in 1960 by Dr. Zeus, right? That consists of just 50 words. With Puerto Rican Southport currently the unified featherweight world champion with a record of 44 to the 1. Big green tomatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Fried green tomatoes. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're there. You're close. Green eggs and Hamanda Serrano. (laughs) Green eggs and ham. Green eggs and Hamanda Serrano. And Serrano's type of ham, so that's double meaning. I think you've pulled away, Deck, but you can have this one for the tiebreaker. Come on, then. A book written by Francis Hodgson Burnett about Mary Lennox who is neglected an unloved 10-year-old girl. Never heard of her. With current British middleweight champion. Secret Garden Denzel Bentley. Oh, Secret Garden Denzel Bentley. That's yeah. brilliant. The Secret Garden. Fuck, what a book that was. Right, tiebreaker time. to Come do. Do. Right. Which is the higher number, right? Children's books written by Roald Dahl or World Title Fights by Canelo. Oh, I'm going to go. I'll go World Title Fights then. Oh, it's World Title Fights. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> I reckon it's got to be... He's been fighting for world titles for the last 11 years, so that's three a year. I reckon he's got to be on like 25, something like that. 23. Oh. Warren Peace. So in closing then, Fritz, you kind of told us already, we're looking, f- you're looking for five more, you, you're, you've got signings 
in yeah. the works. And then when you have those guys, it's just about steering them. Is that the plan? Like sort of two, three year plan is just kind of- Yeah, just just obviously to make sure that, you know, it's, you know it's my, I suppose the responsibility I feel like I've got is to maximise their careers and their earning potential. Knocking on in years as well, you start to feel quite paternal about these guys. When, you know, and it is a big responsibility. You know, you're sitting there ringside with their parents and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, you are in control and, and, and managing their careers. Um, they only get one shot at this. And first and foremost, I said, you've got to go and enjoy it because it could be over in the blink of an eye. I feel like the guys who are with Queensbury at the moment are definitely in the right place. You know, they're through and through Queensbury guys, especially, you know, with Moses and like in the heavyweight division. There's no better place to be, you know, but to be in and around sort of Dubai, Joyce and Tyson Fury, I think Moses is in, is in fantastic company. His brother Carol's doing, you know, he's, he's he come back with a good win. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a horrible night and Moses made his debut that night, but for a week, you know, you're just looking at, you know, you're looking at the videos of the guy thinking, did I make a mistake? If I made a mistake, it, it was the trainer ran me up. He said, can you snap out of it, please? He goes, you got, you got caught with a shot. That's the end of it. But so you we did. talk about Carol. So this is, this is Carol Atoma. Moses yeah. is slightly yeah. older brother. Yeah, yeah. And he, he suffered his first defeat, but it was, happened to be on the same night on which Moses yeah. made it. So it was like a bittersweet night for the family. And he got stopped by Moderna. Moderna, yeah. Who yeah. Hutchinson just absolutely demolished. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, he should be winning fights like that. He just had an off night. It's just the responsibility of making sure that, that the careers they have are successful ones they retire with some decent money in the bank and some great memories and and hopefully there's some um, some titles to put in the mantelpiece you're a license manager still george or is it is so it, i don't is know it if it's lapsed yet yeah they uh they probably just stop stop writing to me because someone <laughs> someone's lobbying for me not to be a, a manager maybe i don't know and paid your subs <laughs> yeah but that yeah, that was a route that well you managed yourself didn't you and that yeah it's it's not easy it's mm. really hard and i must say that lots of the, the management side of things i was promotionally signed to Sowland and they didn't do a lot of promoting but they done a lot of management for me so you know you talk to fighters and you know you can see why they don't really want to pay for a manager and then if there are promoters out there saying you don't need one you know just mm. do it yourself you do need decent honest people on your side lobbying for you making sure that this fight you got coming up gives you a good ranking yeah. you know in, in a particular sanctioning body or you're going to be on the next show you know because you deserve to be so you do need well, as many people as you can to batting for you mm. as well as keeping the promoters on their toes yeah. and everyone else I think as well I mean being involved in the, obviously Queensbury so I know what promoters want I know what TV channels want and also what governing bodies want you know BC, BO, BF um, and the BA you know I'll be at all of their conventions and you know making sure that they all get looked after and that everyone's aware of these youngsters coming through and I'm not sure if other managers do that sort of stuff but I kind of car I've carried on doing what I was doing for Queensbury you know with these guys promoting them as well as managing the careers you know a lot of it's you know it's just making sure that you know the medicals are up to date and the, and their sanction fees are paid and all the other bits and pieces you know all the, all the paperwork's all in order as soon as a, a guy gets a, a letter through the door and says oh your thing's not been paid they're like well, what's going on why, why has that not been looked after mm. and that's kind of you know that's that's it's just to take away the aggravation of a boxing career so they can just focus just on boxing uh, but you do have to go above and beyond because as you said these you know the promotional companies and I know what Queensbury do I mean Andy Alien at Queensbury he, he, he doesn't doesn't stop with paperwork and helping out and doing things for these fighters I suppose when I was up there I would probably look at some managers and think what, what are they doing for you so you have to go above you have to go you know it's, it's not just you know arranging their fights it's making sure that they are commercially successful as well and it's I think knowing what you're doing it's knowing what to do yeah and also being ballsy and sort of bullish enough to go in and, and do it you yeah. know 
So you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations as a fighter, but you also got to do it as a manager. Yeah. Some of my most uncomfortable situations was my manager hat on, you know, trying to put on a performance for you or your dad or, you know, someone at Matrim or if I'm walking into the offices at Sky and saying, give me dates and stuff like that. So it's hard to do it yourself. It's good if you've got uh, an independent- <laughs> An experienced, yeah. Ex ex exactly, experienced yeah, yeah. person to go out there and do it. Um, George, we need one more bit. Speaking of management, do you want to manage this last bit of housekeeping? Let's, let's manage this last bit. So as you know, Francis, we asked all our guests to pick a ringwalk track that they would have if they were to have a fight. And then we add it to our playlist on Spotify. So all the listeners in the club get on and then they want to listen to everyone else's ringwalk. Yeah. And then they visualize that club member doing that ring walk what would be your ring walk track you can't have the same as your old man what did he have yeah that's money that's what I want <laughs> I was listening <laughs> yeah, to that, yeah, that. <laughs> fucking in the bushes by Oasis oh yeah now that is every time that's on ring walk it's like that's a klaxon yeah, yeah that's brilliant would you do anything a bit more bit more somber it's a bit more chill and then like when you're doing your shadow boxing then when you start walking that drops in tell a good one it's um, the Fleetwood Mac track sing it Dreams. Uh, Dreams. Oh, yeah. I think I think one of the best ones I've seen for a while was Fury Dillian, uh, versus Dillian White when he ran into the ring with Sex on Fire. It was just Oh, like, yeah, with the, with, the, uh, with the soldiers. Oh, it was just awesome. Yeah, it that was, was the awesome. one that went Running in like a, like, like a centurion. He was just like, yeah, go for it. It was brilliant. Apparently he said afterwards that he didn't plan to do that. He just he just wanted to run yeah. it. That just felt appropriate. You used to have a good old run, didn't you? Yeah. You just wanted to make the camera. Was that I, nervous I, energy, though? No, no, it was just like... You just wanted to stick to the camera. I thought it looked cool, yeah. And yeah, that was funny. If he tripped over you like, <laughs> like imagine most things in Tyson Fury's world is spontaneous yeah but um, no I used to like to power march I thought uh, I'll try to make that my thing fucker he's always in a rush <laughs> we'll get the last bus home get in and out fucking in the bushes is, in the, is on the list Ross we ain't had that yet have we surprising and this in Snatch isn't it? that's what he comes out yeah. to mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in the Scott Welch of course Scott he does yeah. uh, I'm, I'm starting to do some work with Scott and then he's got a really talented Irish fighter and we're doing some bits with him so uh, watch this space for him Okay, nice. Another club member. Legendary Scott Welch. Go and listen to that if you haven't already. Francis has been watching Snatch, yeah. researching uh, Scott. Yeah. Job done. Francis Warren, thanks Thank so much you, for coming in. Thank Cheers. you, Francis. Cheers, George. How about that then, Deck? Francis Warren, what an episode, what an insight into the world of being a manager. And what a lovely guy. What a lovely guy. Knows his children's books as well. Not quite as well as me, but... <laughs> I'm sure he's been in some high pressure situations within his life, but <laughs> mate, he was ready. Yeah. He knew a couple that you did. Secret Garden Dale Bentley. Yeah. I mean, the low hanging fruit, which is like my go to, like, you know, I don't know, the tiger who came to tea, he struggled yeah, with. Yeah, I smoothed that one. The railway children. Oh. Yeah. Itching for you to get that wrong, mate. He was, but he um, unfortunately he didn't, and I'm the winner, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I march on now we should say let's vow here here and now we need to get George Warren on we need a hat trick of Warren's don't we yeah we do and he could tell us about TV so if you're listening George absolute open door policy here although if say we were to get George Warren in it'd be a shame if you if you missed it you know we, if we uploaded it and you missed it how would you uh, ensure that doesn't happen towards becoming an elite club member yeah. Declan I implore you is that another word of yeah no word? I'll take that I implore you to hit the follow button in your podcast app yeah right that's that makes the world difference to us it does someone out there is counting them yeah and the more we got the better we go the more chance we've got to get George Warren on and yeah. make it the hat trick we want to make it an expectational uh, podcast yes he said that uh, George obviously clearly said that we got to hit a sufficient number of subscribers yeah uh, to our podcast app yeah well it's not our app 
in their app <laughs> our show yeah. in their just app just follow it man follow it man some seeing stars scorchers coming up yes we do the Wednesdays are coming thick and fast yes I mean we're already coming up to June has the year gone George it's gone nowhere yeah, it's, forget just, it. yeah it's just going past it goes yeah Yeah. Um, you get back you can talk to me about space and time and continuum oh, I mean we could make a good pod let's get George have you Warren. seen this new thing lately that they show you in space like because you know obviously we're orbiting the sun so they say but then they reckon the sun is hurtling through the galaxy and we're still following it around yeah don't blame it but we still look out the window and see the stars the same yeah that's too much that's to think bollocks, about isn't it? It? yeah honestly so seeing stars <laughs> right episodes that's yeah it's that's got me onto about. this yeah <laughs> But it's, it's true, when you think about it too much, it sends you mental, mate. Talking of being mental, Uh-oh. you can get us on the Instagram. Oh, yeah. You can get us on the Twitters, you can Le- get us on the TikTok. Let's, let's the hit, socials. Yeah, the socials. Hit us up. It's GG Boxing Club. I want to see some more made-up words, like expectational. <laughs> Just fucking do, go go mad. The, the, the wackier, the better for your insults or compliments. Yeah, let us know in a false word what you felt about this podcast or the Marnie episode or anything Yeah, else. if you email us at ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk, name name the email. Is that what you do? Is that what you say? Is that the... Name the email. What's the bit that comes up first? Uh, oh, title, subject. Title. Subject. Subject. The subject. That, there goes a man who's never worked in an office or <laughs> anywhere, anywhere to do with computers. Made, made up word. The subject, yeah. Yeah, put, so what, you, what do you want to put in the subject? Just a made up word? Made up word. Okay, yeah. If it's a made up word, it's getting read... read First. <laughs> yeah, anything that makes no sense we'll have. And we want to hear your GGBC Dream Gym ideas, please, because we're going to put that into practice very soon. Just need to get a few more quid in the bank and then we can get the, the real gym up and running. And we've also got a playlist, which is bursting at the seams, haven't we, George? How do we get on that? That's on Spotify. It so is. you search... Big up Spotify. Uh, the Ring Walk, you'll find it or not, get on the link tree. Yep, link tree. You get merch, you get playlists, you get TikTok. Get You'll else. get the banger added today by Francis Warren. Ding, And if you want to listen without any adverts in your ear rolls, Amazon Music's the place to be. We are back next Wednesday, <gasps> Deck. And do you know who we're with? I do. It's a very special one next it's week. It's a special one because he's a return guest. Yeah, it's our first ever returning guest. And for good reason. We're going to get the debrief, aren't we, with who, George? John Ryder. The gorilla. All about the ins and outs of Mexico, the fight of his life, the night where even in defeat he became a legend in Mexico. You're keeping this Mexican dream of yeah, wars alive, I'm aren't just you? want to go back. You're still there. And I might have a little surprise for the photo that we take with John after. But keep it under your hats. I'm, I'm under winking. your sombreros, yeah. Thank you for that. I'll line them up. <laughs> uh, and I will continue to do so next week, George. I'll see you next week. Hasta mañana. 